Live from Lincoln Center in the heart of the Dallas Metroplex, this is Nip Talk. An honest and uncensored show about plastic surgery, health, beauty, and lifestyle. With your host, plastic surgeon, Dr. Bruce Herman. Now it's time to discuss the good, the bad, and the ugly of the topics everyone is talking about. It's time for Nip Talk. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Nip Talk. For all those watching live and those watching on recording, we really do appreciate it. Thank you so much for watching. I'm your host, plastic surgeon, Dr. Bruce Herman. And today I have a little bit of sad news. My normal co-host, Jasmine Sadri, who was with me for the first three episodes, unfortunately had to leave. Uh, she got a big job opportunity and didn't feel like she was going to be able to dedicate the time. And unfortunately, she won't be hosting with us anymore. Very sad about that. I thought we had great chemistry. I wish her only the best. So today, I have a guest co-host. This is Patty Catino. She is a nurse with a master's in nursing, right? So like beyond the regular nursing, this is like, yeah, it's like all the way to the top. And so you were a nurse for a while, correct? And then yeah, 25 years. Oh, yeah. yeah so that's yeah. a good amount. You don't look old enough to been nursing for 25 years uh but i'll take your word for it but now you're a nurse injector yep. correct and been doing that for a while and she does actually uh work with me in my office sometimes and do you work other places too or just just Not right up? now right there so just yeah. staying in my office okay right, cool right. it may sound weird that i don't know that but you know she's been working there a while and i don't know what you do i'm an independent contractor yeah so independent contractor right. I could, so but, um, right. maybe you tell people a little bit about the things that you're you're doing with your injecting practice oh yeah so basically i do a lot of botox uh, filler. We have a new laser that we absolutely love, the Halo. I do love that. I, yeah. And Patty actually did the laser on me. Yeah. I was, was I a good patient? You were a great patient. You were awesome. <laughs> we yeah. turned that laser up pretty high when you did me, yeah, we you know, tried didn't you. we? Because well, that was a pretty high setting, wasn't it? Yeah, it was really high. Yeah. And you took and it like then, a champ. Um, well, and then I did yours, right? Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. I was trying to remember, like I've done, she, so you, yeah. she does more of the lasers than I do, but, um, but I have done a few and I did, I did yours, correct? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I think we did. I did a, like the laser, live. you know, so I will tell you, um, before we did that, I, I noticed that I was getting a little bit of jowling here. I mean, I'm almost 50 years old now, so I'm, I don't know if I should tell everybody how old I am. But, <laughs> um, but, you know, I'm getting older, and, like, I was just noticing that maybe, you know, my skin wasn't tight. And I swear, after that laser, that I could tell the big difference. Right? It just feels so smooth. Yeah. And feels did you, I mean, right. honestly, like, when yes. I did yours, like, you could tell the difference. Yes, too. you yeah. could feel the difference. I, I want you to repeat mine. I'm going to do mine again, I think, in the fall. But. Yeah, I think with the series, it just... Yeah, it so really shatter, right? So that's what the people told me when uh, we bought the laser is that one treatment's really good, but if you do like another one, they like it really kind of takes off. So, so yeah. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. What else? So the laser, and then you do oh, the, um, the the IPL, BDL. right? Yeah, the broadband line. Right. Yeah, yeah and I um, haven't. Did you do that on me? I can't even remember what I've had done. <laughs> I know I did the yeah. BBL on my wife, but uh, yeah. I might have done. I think no, I we did do it on me. Yeah, I think yeah we I did. did. Okay, yeah. Well, and so the BBL, for those who don't know, that's intense pulse light. And uh, basically, that's good for moving like either dark spots or vascular spots. And I really didn't have a lot of those. So I, I didn't yeah. have as much to gain from that. Right, yeah. right. But I was like, I just want to try it. But right. Well, great. Yeah, I definitely want you to repeat my laser, though, okay. um, because I did really like that laser treatment. So. Yeah. Now, did yeah. you notice that I wasn't there last week? You know yes. I was gone, right? Okay, yeah, so you knew absolutely. I was out of town. Yeah, yeah. okay. So, uh, so actually, we did our family vacation. Uh, last week. And how did that go? So it was good. You know, um, it, you know, family vacation with the kid, when you have kids, I'm sure it's the same way for you. It's like, it's all about what the kids want to do, right? Right. Like we literally asked the kids like, Hey, where do you guys want to go for family vacation this year? And so 
We had been to Atlantis in the Bahamas in the past, mm -hmm. and the kids loved it because there's a great water park. And, and honestly, to be to be honest, I like the water park. Like it's a lot of fun. I know, like, right? You have, schedule you all there? this stuff. No, but you schedule stuff for the kids, and then you right, end and then up you end up liking it. it. Yeah. So, so, yeah. so they wanted to go back to Atlantis, and so we started looking at trips uh, earlier in the summer, and actually got a pretty good deal uh, to go to Atlantis, uh, which is in Nassau. For those who are not familiar, and so uh, you know my wife Cindy, yes. and so. Cindy and I, when we go on vacation, and we don't do this as much with the kids, but when we go on vacation, we really do like to kind of do kind of the off the touristy, off the beaten path stuff. And so when we came into the airport and we're going towards the hotel, we noticed that there was this festival going on. And so we stopped at the festival, which is really cool. And it was kind of one where there were tourists and stuff, and, and we had a lot of fun. And then we started asking them, is there anything else going on later in the week? And they said, yes, Emancipation Day for the Bahamas is on Monday. And they do a really, a really big party in this area called Fox Hill. Okay. And I was like, well, is that something, you know, that, that we could go to? Because you never know, right? Like maybe they don't you know, want you there or whatever. Right. And they were like, no, no, yeah, you can go. You can go. And so that Monday rolled around and uh, we, uh, we called a cab from the, uh, from the hotel. And the cab shows up and we said, we want to go to Fox Hill. And they're like, what? Why? And I was like, okay, well, we heard that there was like a big party there. And like, well, how do you even know about that? And I was like, well, you know, we were asking some of the locals what was going on. And I was like, is it not safe to go? And they're like, no, no, it's, it's safe. It's just tourists don't really go to that. And I was like, okay, that sounds like something we want to do. Yeah. So we jump in the cab and they drive. And now we're leaving like the tourist area, okay? And we're going into the island, right? Which, you know, away from like, you know, all the tourists, which is fine. Like my wife and I do that like all the time, you know? And so they bring us this little town called Fox Hill and they had this nice little park in the middle. And like we jump out and there were no tourists. Like this was strictly bohemian residents. Like it was to the point where like, I'm not sure some of those people had, like the kids had seen like white people before because they were coming up and like my daughter has blonde hair and they were just mesmerized by her Aww. hair. They were like wanting to like That's touch it. so sweet. It was really cool. And like, so uh, we felt totally fine there. Everyone was so like warm and welcoming, like, cause everyone knew that we were like really out of place, you know, there. Yeah. I mean, we just stood out like a sore thumb, but everyone was so cool. And like, they had great food. Um, we ate like uh, conch fritters, like that were made like right there in front of us. And you had to be loving that because oh, you I, and I, your wife are uh, we total love foodies. Food. Yes, so. and we love to eat like the local food. Like right. when we go places, we're like, where are the locals eating? Right. And so like we ate these like great food and like we drank $2 beers and they had all these contests. Like they had like a pineapple eating contest, watermelon eating contest, dance contest. So which ones did you guys do? So all of them because like they wanted people, you know, not just from Fox Hill and because we were like not even from the island like yeah. they literally the MC was asking like somebody from my family to do each one so oh. so my wife did the pineapple eating contest and like it was so funny because like you know she's up there and they're hanging these pineapples like from a string and you're trying to eat it and I like got the oh whole crowd gosh. chanting eat that pineapple white girl like oh. <laughs> <laughs> like it was so funny that is fantastic. and then yeah there's my wife eating the pineapple yeah so I, I'm not gonna lie when I saw the pineapple eating contest Dr. Herman I was instantly intrigued I was like what is happening with these pineapples so so they hang the pineapple on a string and you have to 
eat the pineapple without touching it. So you're trying to eat this pineapple like it's, it's getting swinging. all the, and it's swinging, right? Like, oh my God, it's so funny. Of course, my wife is not the person that's going to be able to down a whole pineapple. So she yeah. lost miserably. And then well, I saw my, Danica in there too. Yeah, so so yeah. my son didn't win the, the watermelon it? eating contest, uh -huh. but Danica, my daughter, won the dance contest. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, well, because she has that. like no fear. Like she's up yeah. there and she's like busting a move. And those other kids were like, whoa, what is this girl doing? Yeah. I think she kind of like caught him off guard. But anyway, so we had, anyway, we spent six hours out there. They had this thing called the greasy pole, which was this 30 foot tall pole that they coat with axle grease. And then they put $2,000 in a bag at the top and people tried to That's get the money. Oh my gosh, it was so much fun to watch. And I, I just thought people would be trying to climb the pole, but they have like a whole like regiment. It was a team of people came and they would like, Someone would stand at the base of the pole, and then they would stand on their shoulders, and they'd wipe the pole down. Then they'd wrap these cloths for footholds and like make their way up. Oh wow! I mean, it was a, it was mesmerizing to watch it. Like when we heard about the greasy pole when they were telling us about the festival, I was like, I have to see that. There's yeah. there's no way I go to Nassau and I miss the greasy it. pole. Right. But no, it was really cool, and like you know, I mean, not a lot of people like like to go and do that kind of stuff and like get off the tourist thing and. You know, I just, we've always done that, and I really do enjoy kind of immersing yourself in that culture. And, Sounds uh, like you hit the jackpot with that We one. did. Well, and the rest of the week when we were telling people we went to that, no one would believe us. Like, <laughs> yeah. they're like, you guys didn't go to Fox. Because, like, it really, it's like out in the middle of nowhere, right? And it's not, I guess, what the tourists do. But Like you said, though, I think when you have, like, a, a, a event or when you find things that are off the beaten path, I mean, Those you have to do the, it. Exactly. They but you got to do memories. it. If like, we didn't do it, like, we would have, like, felt bad about it. But. Exactly. Yeah. So, anyway, I just wanted to share that story because we story. really did have a lot of fun. So, all right, so we're going to move on to our first segment. As I was telling you before, we do segments here. And one of the segments we do every week is Dr. Herman's Plastic Surgery 411. And you're going to like this one, okay? Okay. Um, so, actually, uh, I guess two weeks ago, I did an interview with Huffington Post, and they were asking me about Botox and trends in Botox. And... And really, the article like got really popular. It hit Huffington Post, and then actually it hit Yahoo. So it probably got seen by like a couple million people. And um, I gave some pretty good answers to them. And so I actually had a lot in the article, which yeah, was really I, fun. I read it. It was a great article. Oh, thanks. Yeah. To, yeah, they did a good job. That that uh, Anna Rahmanan. I hope I didn't butcher her name, but Anna Rahmanan. Like it's very well written, and uh, it was like very. Uh, actually honored to do it and so I thought that we would kind of hash some of those things out in the article because they were really good questions and good things so this is right up your alley I'm, I'm throwing you softball today we're going to talk about Botox oh, so perfect all right so uh, for those of you not familiar and I know Botox is very popular but you know there are people out there that are not familiar with it um, so Botox is basically a medicine that is derived from a toxin produced by a bacteria and when you inject that into a muscle, it causes paralysis. And, and we found, you know, and this was actually found, you know, 40, 50 years ago, that if you inject that into muscles that cause wrinkles, that will actually prevent those wrinkles from forming. And, and not only actively, so like when I do like this and make these wrinkles, if I was Botox, I could do that, but it'll prevent those passive wrinkles from forming that make us look more aged. And right. so when Botox hit, like it was kind of a big deal. And uh, it's, uh, it is approved for three sites. And I'm going to have a question for you in a minute, so you get okay. ready. So the FDA approves Botox for three sites, as you all know. Forehead, glabella, which is right here, your frown lines. And then the smile lines here, the crow's feet, that uh, you get when you smile. So in my practice, I will only do those three areas. Now, there are people out there, injectors like yourself, and, you know, and perhaps some doctors that will do it other spots. Now, do you just do the FDA approved sites or do you do off-label? I don't do any off-label. Not off-label, okay. It's just not worth it when you have a real so, a, a degree to 
throw that license away. Well, you know, and, and, and I will say that it's it's not crazy. So, like, if you're out there getting Botox off-label, I mean, I don't, you know, you don't have to, like, you know, be alarmed. But I, I personally have found, for, for me, that it works so good in those three areas. I found that in the other areas, in my personal experience, that it doesn't work as good. Like, like for example, they'll use it, like, in the masseter here to, to slim the face. I, right. I just don't think that works that great. You know, they'll use it for the lip to try to get the lip flip. I've never found those results to be like overly pleasing. And to me, honestly, the right. biggest risk is you paralyze a facial muscle and then you look like you've had a stroke. Right. I, 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 so you haven't right. had done any of those? I do not. I've had a lot of people come in and ask, ask for, for them. it. Yeah. But I mean, I, as I said, I don't feel like that it's crazy to do it. I just don't want the risk that I have a patient looks like they had a stroke. Right. I mean, because it's not going to harm them. They're like, if they get like a lip drop or whatever, I mean, like, you know, they have to wait the four or five months and it goes away. And they can't but, drink out of a straw. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's like just not worth it. <laughs> right. So so you're, you're like that right. too? Yes. Absolutely. I think that's smart, honestly. I mean, you're just like, you know, avoiding problems. Now, the other thing that there are multiple versions of Botox these days. For the longest time, it was just Botox. And then came Dysport. Mm -hmm. And then came Javot. And the new one is Zeramin. Now, do you have experience using... Which ones do you use? Do you use I only use Botox. Okay, okay. Same, right. same here. Now, um, I did use... I have used Dysport. And I have used Javot. Um, I don't have a problem with them. Uh, I, I like Botox for two reasons. One... Name recognition. If you say we have Javot or Dysport, some people may not know what that means, right? And um, the other thing is I just found Botox to be a little bit more predictable. Um, some of the other ones, like they're cheaper, but like they don't last as long, so you inject more. So right. I personally just like to stick with Botox. Um, I don't know. I, it's not crazy to use the other ones. Have, have you used any of the other ones? To any I haven't used any of the other ones. I've had Botox really good time. results with Botox. I do so too. Why? Like, I mean, I hate to be that guy. It's like, oh, I just use Botox. But I mean, I do like it. It is predictable. And so, um, so this is probably going to be a moment for me because I am learning something here at this point. I did not realize Botox was the brand. Yes. I, I did yeah. not. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. Botox is actually the brand. Now the name is thrown around just like, like there might be people out there that say I'm going today to get Botox and then they get Dysport. Exactly. Um, but the, the actual toxin is identical. Like oh, the wow. way that they harvest it and package it might be slightly different, but, but for all intents and purposes, all those products are very, very close. Like there are some very subtle differences like, um, I think it's Dysport that, that comes on like a day earlier than Botox, you know, and like another one maybe doesn't last quite as long. I mean, there, there's very, very subtle differences, but yeah. yes, the Botox is the brand. I did not know. You learned me something today. I did? Good. <laughs> now, hey, Travis, now you getting Botox yet? Have you got the Brotox? I have not gotten the Brotox. Dude. I did notice that too. That's a great name. All right, man. Listen, if you ever want to get Brotox, you, you better make sure you let me do it, all right? Or you could, Patty could do it. Patty could do it. She's okay. very good. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Two great professionals. I just don't yeah. want you to go out into the world and like have like, you know, the foot doctor, you know, give Absolutely. you your Botox. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> so um, I do feel like Botox overall really is one of the absolute best things that you can do to stay youthful. I mean, for me, like some of the things on the face that make people look really aged are those lines here, here. And I'm starting to get them myself. So I may, you, I may be your next customer. Well, you know, I keep having younger and younger girls come in. I have a lot it, or people, I should say, yes. um, in their 20s that are right. coming in and they understand the effects down the road. Right. That's so, so smart. Amazing. And, and that is the actually the, the really kind of take home point with Botox is 
it actually works the best when you start younger. Now, obviously you don't start it when you're 18 years old, but I find that most people around the age of 30 start to get the wrinkles that will make them look more aged. So my wife, we started her with Botox when she was like 31 or 32 when I started plastic surgery. She's and, a freak of nature. And She's she doesn't have gorgeous. a wrinkle, right? Yeah, like she has like no wrinkles yeah. in those areas. And, and some of it probably is genetic because you know, parent, her mom, yeah. you know, does look nice, but but there's no doubt whatsoever that the Botox is helping her. So I, if people ask me like when you should start and like, I, I hate those questions where people are to ask me, tell me what I need to do, but like, right. but, but if you really, that. but they do that. Yeah. And if you pin me down, I would say like around 30 is kind of a good age to start it. Um, so in the United States, there are about four and a half million, you know, Botox injections a year. So the article did dig into like, you know, how many of those are men. And right now it's about 10 to 15%, you know, it's definitely still dominated by women and, so I will ask you this question. Do you have a lot of men getting Botox in your practice? Um, yes, we do have men coming in. And what's surprising is I think most people have just have an idea of what those guys would be like. And they're right. so not True. That it could be guy. anybody. Yes. They I, are people that are out working in the fields. They yep. are oil guys. I would, that I would are, agree with that 100%. And whether they're trying to um, get rid of the wrinkles they have yep. or being out in the sun yep. and the wrinkles they're going to get. It, it's Right. People it's are just, becoming more aware. And there's right. actually been a couple things recently that have really pointed that out. I, I'm sure you've heard of the Zoom effect, which was basically in 2020 with the pandemic where all these people who used to go into an office were suddenly on zoom right. and they have this picture pulled up of them and they can see their face. Right. So there was actually a big increase in the people seeking out more youthful treatments because of that zoom effect from the pandemic. Well, it's, it's odd when you're looking at your face, right. yeah, you're just walking around the office and right. you don't yeah, think exactly you look bad, right. but and then, then you, when you're you looking you at your face, camera. you're like, Oh, I know. It's like I when I watch like. these videos, I'm doing like, oh my God, I need to go to Patty yes. like right now. <laughs> but um, so there was a Zoom effect. Um, TikTok's been another thing. Like as the rise in popularity of TikTok has come on and people are like filming themselves very close, that also has spawned a bit of an increase right. in things like Botox. Um, but for uh, men, the other thing that kind of comes into play with Botox is ageism which this is used to be something that was really only a, a, a problem for women, but, but in the past, you know, years, decade or so have become an issue for men. There actually was a big lawsuit against Google um, by some men who were middle-aged that said that they were discriminated against because they looked older. And so, you know, that was like a big thing. Like there was a big lawsuit that was 2019. And so, you know, because of things like that, there are men out there who now are trying to stay more youthful to kind of keep up with their coworkers. Right. And it's so, so important as we're living yeah. longer and you're in the workforce maybe longer. Yeah, exactly you right. You want to look good. You're you do. competing yeah. with people that are coming right out yeah. of college or maybe have. So Travis, man. It's time for that Brotox. <laughs> you look good though. I, I think you're probably a little early, like, but I'll, yeah. I'll keep it in mind. What? I actually just turned 30 July 7th. Did you? So that oh. was, yeah, it was my 30th birthday. Well, happy birthday, man. Yeah. I will definitely keep it in mind and I appreciate it. Thank yeah. you so much. So, and the last thing I would say about uh, like Botox is I do think it's important to research your injector. Now I know you're good. Like, I mean, you were good before I even started working with you. And then of course I, you know, feel like hopefully I helped you a little bit on some of, of your you techniques. Um, uh, but, you know, not everyone is as skilled as you or I out there. And so I, I get people in my office, and I'm sure you've seen people as well, who went and had either bad Botox or bad filler. I mean, there is an, there is an art to it, you know, and it's something that 
you know, not everyone's great at, and not everyone maybe, you know, does all the work that you do to get as good as they are. So if you're out there, you're thinking about getting Botox or filler, just highly encourage people to research, you know, who you're going to, because it does make a difference. Right. So. All right, moving on to also one of my favorite segments. This is the Nip Tuck 911. Now, this is where we talk about uh, news stories uh, about plastic surgery that may not necessarily be the greatest. And actually, the story we have today is actually very sad. Um, it, it involves somebody who I really look up to, uh, Hank Williams Jr. I, I grew up listening to country music and always loved Hank Williams Jr. And so I guess it was March, his wife died kind of unexpectedly, and there wasn't a whole lot about it in the news at the time. But in the past couple of weeks, there was actually an autopsy report that came out, and it kind of shed light on what happened to her. And I don't know how much you, you know about this, but, but basically she died a day after having plastic surgery. And so when I saw that, I you know, immediately wanted to kind of dig in there and kind of see like what were the circumstances of this. I mean, a death after plastic surgery is not very common. We're going to talk about some statistics on that. So I started doing some digging and, and it was kind of tough because you, you know, I wanted to know like the medical stuff, like right. what procedures were she having? How did they do them? You know, where was it done? Was her past medical history. Exactly <laughs> right. Yeah. So like yeah. The, the doctor in me was trying to find these things. And of course the articles are very, you know, they're for the general public. So they're kind of generic, but right. after combing a bunch of articles, I did come, uh, I, I, I was able to find some information. So she actually traveled for surgery. She went from Tennessee to Florida to, to a surgeon who the first thing I wanted to know is this guy a board certified plastic surgeon, of course. which he was, there he is. He's, he's actually a pretty well-known surgeon. I looked at his credentials, like he's very legit, you know, a good guy. So that was the first thing is, you know, you know, did she go to somebody that shouldn't be operating on her? And the answer was right. she did. The guy was totally good. Um, then I want to know what procedures she had. So she had breast implants and she wanted them out. So they took out her breast implants and then they did a breast lift, which is very common because if you have implants, you take them out, everything kind of collapses. So you have right. to lift up. In fact, I did that exact surgery today, this morning, did implant removal and a lift. Um, but then they did liposuction and then they took that fat and re-injected it into her breast in order to try and I gain some out. of that volume back. Right. And she had the surgery done. She went to a facility to recover. The first day after surgery, she was sitting up in bed talking to, I guess, a family member, and she suddenly became unresponsive. They called 911, they took her to the ER, and she was pronounced dead. So and immediate for somebody that seemed so rather young. Yeah, she was pretty young. Yeah, And her name, I'm sorry, is Mary Jane Thomas. Uh, she was 58, I believe. She was in yeah. her 50s, so she's definitely a young person, right. not, you know, not, not old at all. Um, and so, uh, I, I looked into, you know, the, basically the autopsy report came out and it said that she died from a pneumothorax from the fat grafting. So for those who are not familiar with medical terms, a pneumothorax is basically a collapsed lung. If you are working around the chest cavity and you puncture that layer that's around the lung, what happens is that air will start to fill in in between your ribs and the lung and collapse the lung and further it will push your heart to the point that the blood flow cannot come back to the heart and you will very quickly die from that and normally if you have a collapsed lung it's something that you would know about right you'd be like oh i don't feel good my chest hurts well she had just had surgery so she was on know. she didn't know she was on pain medication she expected to be sore and so the pain that she had from her pneumothorax she probably chalked up to this is normal. Right. Well, the, the problem with tension pneumothorax is like it, you can tolerate it for so long and then you just, you, you die. Yeah. 
Right. And so that's what happened to her. And so I just want to kind of unpack a few things about, um, you know, her death and, you know, you know, let's break this down because this is not something that is, is very normal. Right. Um, I, I have a little bit of issue with people traveling for surgery. I, I don't at all want to say that, you know, the reason that she died was because she traveled for surgery, but it, it just is one factor that does make things a little bit more challenging, you know, and I have people who, who find me on social media because, you know, I have kind of social media following these days. And so people will see my befores and afters and I get calls from people that live, you know, in New York or California and they're like, oh, I love your results. Can I, can I come out? And so... I've, I've had a couple people do it. My hesitancy in that is it tends to be rushed. And so, you know, with this doctor, like, did she just show up and they just suddenly made a plan and did surgery the next day? Or like, did they do pre-op, post-op? Yeah, you know, and, yeah. and in this instance where she didn't have, like, some underlying problem, like that, you know, yeah, the pre-op is important, but, like, for her, I mean, this was more of an accident, right, as opposed right. to, like, a medical condition. But you're on the right track that it can be rushed, and so I don't like that. But, I mean... Please don't take that as like, oh, you know, she had a bad outcome because she traveled. Because a lot of people right. travel surgery. But it is something I just kind of bring up. Like, if people ask me how can I make sure that I have, like, a good plastic surgery experience, like, I'm going to say board-certified surgeon, which we know he was. Right. And then I'm going to say find someone near you. It just it makes it easier, like, in your post-op care as well. And right. I think in this instance it didn't make a difference. But it is one thing that just kind of perked my ears up. The other thing I had a question about this is the fact that she had a lift and fat grafting at the same time. I personally won't do that. Now, why is that? Well, so everything you do to the tissue stresses it to a certain degree. So when you take out the implants, that's going to stress the underside of the breast a little bit because you take out the implant and you take out the layer around it. And it does put a little bit of stress on the breast, not to mention the cut to get underneath it. And then when you do a lift, you're further stressing the breast just a little bit. And then if on top of that you do something else, like inject the tissue with a bunch of fat, I, I feel like you run the risk of, of the tissue getting injured. And so when I have patients come in, and I've had patients just like her who remove implants and have a lift and they ask about fat grafting, I make them break it apart. And, and once again, I don't think that that's why she, that accident occurred. It's just I, I'm very conservative. I'm busy. I can pick who I want to operate on. If people want to do crazy stuff, I'm just like I'm not interested. you know. And I personally wouldn't have done that, but I don't think at all that that was the reason that this happened. Just another factor. Maybe it's just like another thing. Yeah, I'm happened. just like, you know, because I'm, I'm trying to play devil's advocate, right? right. It's like, right. you know, I'm looking at this, and of course, I don't want this to happen to my patients. I mean, I don't right. want it to happen to any patient. I feel bad for this guy because obviously right. it was, you know, just an accident. Um, but I do like to kind of break these things down and see, okay, is there anything that was like, you know, noteworthy? And, and I'd say this is just a footnote, it's a small thing. Right. I, I wouldn't have combined those, but I don't think it had anything to do with that. I did have a question, though, about whether it was done under local or general. I tried to look this guy up. I think he does have an OR in his facility. And so I would imagine they did it under general anesthesia. I would have, I would have big concerns if this was done under local. I couldn't find the answer to that question. I have to assume it was under general anesthesia. Is this a long surgery then? It's fairly long, yeah. And it would be, I mean, I've actually done things like a breast augmentation under local, just kind of a test run. I, I, did, I, I did it. I did a couple. I've done some lipo under local. You can do it. It adds another wrinkle to it. And the one thing that came to my mind is when you're doing procedures where you're either doing lipo or fat grafting and people are under local, if, if they suddenly feel a pain, they can jump. And so, like, if a patient jumps while oh. you're using something sharp, like, They're you could end up injuring right. something. And I have to imagine this was under general, but, I mean, I don't know that. You know, it would just be one right. question I have. 
Um, and the other thing too, like the, that I asked myself is, you know, do I think the surgeon will be held liable, like from a malpractice standpoint? I mean, yeah, that's always interesting to ask. I think probably right? will. I mean, because it's an act. I mean, you know, when I do lipo, when I do fat grafting, like it becomes very routine because you do this stuff so frequently. But like the number one thing that you have to be careful about is not puncturing either the chest cavity or the abdominal cavity for okay. these exact reasons. And I've done lipo on people that I've done tummy tucks on and like I'll do the lipo first and I open them up and I'm saying, oh man, I just kind of skimmed the muscle a little bit. Like I didn't poke through it, but I just kind of skimmed it. Right. And so that's what you, 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 it's okay to skim it. Like it doesn't hurt it, but like you don't want it to go down into it, right. whether it be the abdomen or the chest. And so, you know, whenever I'm doing lipo and I'm sure every plastic surgeon is the same, like you really have to kind of pay attention. Like it's, you know, it's a, it's a very routine procedure, but you can't get too deep because you can right. cause injuries. And so, you know, if an injury like that occurs, like it's kind of on the surgeon. I mean, unless there's something I yeah. don't know about, like, and yeah. all I know is from the research I did, like from the autopsy report and the articles, right. maybe something else happened I don't know about, but. So you found the autopsy report and you were able to. Well, I was, it wasn't like the full report. It just said the, the conclusion. Oh, it just yeah. said patient died from pneumothorax from fat right. grafting. Cause that was the question like, you know, did she die from the lipo part or was it, it did say specifically the fat grafting. So, um, so I pulled up some just kind of statistics on, on death rates. Cause that's an interesting topic, right? right? Like, cause if you go ask somebody like how, you know, how likely am I to die from surgery? It's you, kind they of probably a big thing. <laughs> it can happen, but like people probably yeah. don't know this to do. So right. I, I dug into it and I had a general idea and I was kind of pretty close. So if you're having an emergency surgery, say you're in a car wreck and you have to go to the OR cause you you're injured. Your risk of death is about one in 60. So uh, whatever percent that would be like 1.7%. But you probably are coming in with much more in Of course, know, right, yeah, it's an emergency right, surgery, right. right? You have something really bad, you, you need the surgery, you're gonna right. die, so obviously that's gonna be a Roll pretty high. <laughs> now, if you go to just elective surgeries in general, then the rate's about one in 600. So that means I'm gonna have like an elective colon surgery, I'm gonna have an elective gallbladder surgery, whatever. Right then your risk of death is about one in 600 with the most common cause of death being sepsis, meaning infection, right. you know, in general infection. Now for plastic surgery, now plastic surgeries are generally not as invasive. They also tend to be on younger, more healthy patients. Right. Your risk of dying from a plastic surgery is around one in 300,000. So wow, that's way, a big difference. Way different, yeah. So it does make a difference that these, you know, that the plastic surgeries are on healthier people and more superficial. Right. So those underlying complications with the general public. Right. Yeah. Have, you know, Ginger so. been, tends to be a healthier people. Right. So, so yeah, I mean, because, you know, you might see the story about her and think, oh, God, I'm never in plastic surgery because she died. Well, statistically, it's extremely unlikely that that's right. going to happen. And so when it does happen, of course, you know, you want to kind of look into it and see, you know, was, did something happen or whatever? And, and honestly, right. from looking at this, I... I think it was just an accident. I mean, you know, it's just like, you know, whatever job you have, like you can have an accident in your job. And I, I think that that's just what happened, you know, and right. it's very unfortunate for her and for, for Hank and all that's terrible, but it, is but it is good to look at these things, right? I mean, you, you don't want to brush them over because you, you right. hope that there's something you can learn from it to, to prevent it. But they are kind of sensationalized because oh, of they who are they too. are. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, it's a shame. Happens, I mean, I hate and, that. And, and of course we're, I mean, to a certain degree, we're doing the same thing. It's like, oh, Hank Williams, you know, junior wife well, died. Kind of, it's nice to dissect it. Though. Right. You, see, yeah. Why did this happen? Tastefully kind of How figure out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. All right. So 
Moving on to our next segment. Trovis, how are we on time? Am I rambling too much? No, 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 no. You provide some good information, <laughs> if anything. So rambling probably wouldn't be the best way to describe it. Okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> you, are, you are giving some very in-depth info. Yeah, what'd you think about all that? Did yeah, you, like, did, it, it sounds like a very unfortunate situation. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, nobody ever thinks that when they elect to do something like that, they're not going to come out on the other yeah. side. Okay. Right. And even for Hank, I'm sure oh, he man, I'm misses sure it terribly. Yeah. Sure yeah, it's terrible. I mean, I... Uh, you know, I, I just my deepest sympathies to them. You know, looking at this is not in any way trying to, you know, make light of it. Like, it's just really, Absolutely. can we learn anything from right. it? You know, like, and, and for me, as someone who does these surgeries, can I, right. is there anything I can learn from this to make sure it doesn't happen moving forward? I will right. say as well, too, your inner doctor comes out because you, like, dissected every little bit of it. <laughs> I did, right? You, you went and researched almost every part of it. So I, I know, like, I was, like, sitting there looking at all those research, or looking at those articles, trying to Absolutely. figure it out. Absolutely. No, yeah. that's so interesting. <laughs> All right, so uh, the last segment I, I like to do, and, and sometimes we mix them up, but this one's always been a favorite of mine, is the at-home aesthetic products. Now, have you ever used a frownie? Yeah, yes. You have? I mean, well, I've... You know they've been out forever. They have been out forever. Like, so literally I'll forever. I'll story, yeah. So you have a story? We, well, kind of. We, oh, um, I'm ready to hear it. Yes, when I was much <laughs> younger, I knew the people that designed this and really so okay because yeah, so, i think it's like a generate because you know it's been out since like 1880 or something well there um i think it was the chemical component that oh. they had i know that they were chemists and they had come up with this okay, idea so, and they had brought them over yeah. to my mother and i and oh just, okay so they were kind of revamping it because i know that right. so when i did the research on this like they have revamped the product because it started in 1880 like you know 140 years ago and um, it's basically been more or less the same product, or at least the idea of it, and they've just kind of improved upon it. And so I think I bought a picture. Charles, didn't I bring a picture of the frownies? Do we have one we can show people? Yeah, there they are. Yeah. Yeah. Frown I think the name is hilarious, too, by yes, the way. Like, I give them 10 they're out of 10 fantastic. on the name. Yeah. yeah. So, so for those of you who don't know, um, frownies are basically an adhesive patch that you put on your face in areas where you might get wrinkles. And it's basically a at-home sort of Botox treatment right? with the same idea yeah. that you're putting on areas in, in, in wrinkles that you might get. And the idea behind it is that it basically prevents the muscle from contracting and therefore you don't make the wrinkle. And also if you have a wrinkle there, it will smooth it out a little bit. So uh, I guess, let me, before I dig into like what I've, what I've learned, because I have not used the product. I wish, I wish I had one. I would have tried it, I, you know, just to see what it's like. But uh, what's I mean, your experience? I was with? in college, so I really, okay, so, I wasn't so really. So this is like, you know, having, a, having, like, having a Boone's Farm, throw right, on the frowny. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> okay, so, all right. Yeah. Um, okay, so um, basically what you do is the, the company recommends that you put it on at night on the areas where you have concerns and you wear it all night. And then you do that for a month. And then after that, you do it three to four times a week. And that's the recommendation. And they say that if you do this, you will see your wrinkles improve. So, of course, you, know, you haven't been here on the uh, the other shows we've had, but this is the point in the show where I say, show me the research. Right. right? So what did you find? It's not a lot. Oh. Yeah. So, um, I, so there's a couple things about it. So let's, first off, I want to go over the pro, because I don't like just to you know say products are you know bad. Let's talk about some of the good things, right? right? So the good things. This is a very inexpensive product. It's something that anyone can buy and use. You can pick it up, I think, at any pharmacy, really, um, or maybe you know Walmart, Target, or whatever. It's pretty inexpensive uh, to use. It's very easy to use. Um, and there's really no risk to using it. So, I mean, all those are 
pretty good things, right? right. That's very good. The cons, um, I, as I said, I haven't personally used it, but the people who used it say it is uncomfortable to wear because it is basically a patch that immobilizes your muscle. It's very stiff. <laughs> and it looks uncomfortable. People always also talked about the fact that like their spouses would make fun of them because they, yeah. they look like- I mean, you like, would. I mean, oh, totally, I, I, man. I I'd be like, like yeah. what do you have on your face right now? <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so, uh, so that, you know, those are kind of minor downsides though. I mean, cause you right. know, there's mud mass and like all kinds of things we do yeah. to make ourselves look younger. But so really, honestly, the downsides are, are really not minimal. that bad. So yeah, right. minimal, really. Yeah, yeah, minimal, I think. So I think there's a lot of pros for it and, and very few cons, but where it's a little lacking for me is the research. I mean, this has been out now for 140 years, and you would think in that time that the company might get a study that showed that these things are very effective. And if those things don't exist, then it tends to mean that maybe it's not quite as effective. Right. Um, and I haven't used this product. I'm just strictly going off uh, the research that I found. There was one article from the Journal of Cosmetic Dermatology in 2017 that did actually use these products. And it's a, it's a legit, you know, journal study. So I was immediately attracted to it. It wasn't like anecdotal or, you know, somebody's experience. It was, right. you know, a study. So the study showed that it actually does, it does effective at, at reducing wrinkles. However, <clears throat> that effective time is very short. So basically you put the product on and you take it off in the morning and for about an hour, your wrinkles are not there. But and that's then, it? And one hour after an entire night of wearing? According to the article, yes. Okay. Yep. Now the, the article did go on to say that if you do it continuously, like say a couple months, that you can maybe get a couple or three hours out of it. So kind of like Botox, the more you do it, the less you need to. But it has a much shorter right. action time. <laughs> like it said two to three hours kind of max, and then the wrinkles you have kind of return. And so that's a little disappointing, you know, to learn, you know, um, because, you know, I mean, well, I say this point, it can be confusing because you could look at that study and say, this study proves that this works. True. For an hour. You're right, that's the thing, <laughs> yeah, for an hour, right. So, um, I, you know, I, I don't want to dog the product. Like, I think if you use these and you like them, then by all means use them. Like, I like to dig into like, okay, from a doctor standpoint, like, what are my concerns with this? Probably my biggest concern, and we were talking about this earlier when we were talking about Botox, is Botox is really preventative, right? Right. If you use Botox and you're not able to make these facial expressions, then the wrinkles aren't going to form. Okay. Well, you're wearing the frownies at night. I was just going to say that. You're not <laughs> making, you're, you don't have expressions. You're not out in the sun squinting. You're not right. doing all yeah. of this. So you're really just asleep. Yeah. So uh, that's probably my biggest kind of concern is that the preventative uh, effect of, because this really is kind of a competitor to Botox. In fact, when you go on their website, I wasn't super happy with the website because it was like, oh, you know. Avoid the needles. Right, yeah. Avoid. It was like injections are like taking away women's power. I'm like, wait, what? Like, um, uh, But yeah, they were kind of like dogging Botox a little bit. So they are kind of a competitor to them. But like, I think the biggest like kind of like um, detriment is that the protective, the protective effect is not there. And then the the kind of the recuperation or the fixing of the wrinkles is, is very short-lived. Right. Yeah. But, you know, where I, so I, devil's advocate, so what are the positives? Where could you possibly use this? So say maybe like you have this big event and you want to look your best, slap those frownies on 
and then go right for an hour and then yeah like <laughs> yeah. do your event for an hour or two and you it you yeah. would have a beneficial effect right. on it so yeah i think that in certain instances like it could be helpful um so you know i don't want to say it's like you know total junk because it's not it does have some effective potential but do you have any patients that have tried those i haven't you know yeah. um i you know i just happened to be flipping through like because i was thinking about like this segment like we're doing botox i was like Wow, what are some like good like you know alternatives to Botox you can do at home? And I immediately didn't I didn't think there'd be much of anything, and this popped up like right forgot at the about first. Frownies. Forgot about frownies. <laughs> yeah, they've only been around for 140 yeah. years. How did I forget about them? But um, right. they actually it was funny. I was when I was doing the research, like you can actually see these in some of the old movies. There were some black and white movies that had oh, people hilarious. like in bed. You know, and of course, you know it's from the 40s, so they got these massive nightgowns on yes. and like yes. it's hilarious looking. And then they right. got frownies, frownies all over their, their face. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So funny, but. Okay, well, uh, I think we're kind of getting towards the end of the show. Trelvis, it's time for the Q&A. Now, I know there was at least one question. Mm -hmm. Do we have questions? We do. We do. So looking Bring on it. the Facebook page, um, we have Dwight, actually. He asked a question. He says, what is the percentage of women versus men doing plastic surgery procedures? Wow, that's, that's a good question. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Dwight, for that question. Dwight, if it's the Dwight I know, thanks for asking that question. I do know Dwight. It might be... Dwight, that I know. So if it is, thank you. And if it's not, thank you for asking the question anyway. So percentage of people getting plastic surgery, men to women. Wow, that's a great question. I, it's definitely a bit of a regional answer. Um, certain areas will have a much higher percentage of men getting plastic surgery to women. I would say to answer that question for here in the Dallas Metroplex, and I think even in the Metroplex, that number is going to vary depending on which sub-neighborhood you're in. I live in the North Metro um, up there. I'd say it's probably 95% women, 5% men. Um, I, thinking about the procedures I do on men, not, not including Botox, I'm talking just purely plastic surgery. Um, I do occasional tummy tucks on men, mostly men who've had significant weight loss, like a gastric band, right. a gastric sleeve. You know, they get the loose skin and they don't want that, which I can you know, totally get. So I do occasional tummy tucks. I'd say I probably do 95% women on tummy tucks, 5% men. Um, I do occasionally liposuction on men. Um, it's funny with men and women in liposuction. Men tend to hold their fat internally, women externally, and that's one of the reasons you'll do so much more lipo on women. But occasionally you'll get men who get it externally, and so you'll do a little bit of lipo. The other thing I do a lot on men from a cosmetic surgery standpoint is gynecomastia, which is the right. having more feminine-looking chest. I, I do probably five to ten of those surgeries a year, which doesn't sound like a lot, but... What causes that? So usually the gynecomastia is caused by differences in sensitivity to hormones. We as men have estrogen and you as a woman have testosterone, but you have different levels, like you have a much higher level of estrogen than I do, and your sensitivity to that is also different. So if a man has either increased estrogen or increased sensitivity to estrogen, then they can start to get that kind of feminization. So it's pretty common. I see uh, quite a few consults for that, and it's really easy to fix. So if you know anyone who suffers from gynecomastia, I'd be happy to take care of them. I can easily eliminate that problem. Is there an age group that that's particular for? Like boys so going most through? people notice it like in their teens, like going yeah. through puberty, like it'll kind of pop up. And then as people get older, like in their hormones start to shift, you'll see like a right. second peak, like in 40s. So. But that's a great question, Dwight. Thank you. We got any more? Absolutely. We do. We have a few more. Great. Um, Emily asked, can you do liposuction without having anesthesia? Okay, so that, she probably meant like a local anesthesia. Yeah. Uh, so that's a great question. And we were actually just kind of momentarily talking about that right. earlier when we were talking about um, uh, 
Mary, I forgot, Mary Thomas, uh, right. Hank Williams' wife. Um, so the answer to that question is yes, yes, but, there's always a but, you do have to be a little careful doing liposuction under local because in order to do liposuction under local, you have to give people a lot of lidocaine, which is a anesthetic. And there is a toxic dose for that. And so I actually will do some very small liposuction in my office under local anesthesia, but only for very specific patients. One, they have to be somebody that I feel like can tolerate having a surgery under local. That's not everybody. I think of my wife who, I would rather like hang myself than try to do surgery on her under local. She'd be the yeah. worst patient. I have to like yeah. knock her out to give her Botox. Practically. Right, right. <laughs> so like my yeah. wife would like not be that patient that would no. do good with surgery under local. But there are people out there that, that can tolerate it, but you just have to be careful about how much lidocaine you're giving them. So what we do is we basically take their weight, calculate how much we can give them, and it has to be way under that threshold. And you know, if you got a, a small spot, you don't want to have surgery, yes, you can do it, but you do want to make sure it's done safely. Um, some of the bad outcomes of plastic surgery are related to people doing too much in an office under local. I've never had any problems myself, but once again, I'm kind of conservative. So, right. any right. more troubles? Yeah, we got one more. One, one more, more let's question. do it. What do we one got? Question. Lisa asked, um, are any of the different brands of Botox better than the others? Oh, okay, yeah. We kind of covered that. Yeah, we covered that a little bit. So. What I would tell you is really they're all very similar. Like, I think that it kind of boils down to just the differences in the injecting of them. Like one might work a little bit quicker, one might wear off a little bit sooner. One of them, the dosage is gonna be higher, but it'll end up being cheaper, right? That was right. the thing when Dysport came out. I remember when right. Dysport came out, I was like, oh wow, there's a competitor for Botox. And they, right. their, their, their ploy, or not their ploy, their, their pitch was, this is cheaper. And they were right. It is dramatically cheaper than Botox, but per application, per application, it's about the, the same. Yeah, annually. You're, yeah. You're, well, you're spot on. Sure. Well, the thing was is that it was cheaper, but you had to do more of it right. to get the same result. Right. So when you calculate it out, I bought a bunch of Dysport when it came out because they were right. like, yeah, it's so much cheaper, and I was like, great for my patients, great for me. Right. But then I had to use more of it. Right. So in the end, it was like I was it was just kind of like the same. Right. And so there's been no problem with using this port, but once again, I just kind of went back that I liked having that brand name of Botox. So yeah. anyway, all right, those are great questions. Thank you everyone who, who, who posed those. We really do like the questions. So uh, if you have questions you want to pose and you put them on any of our episodes, we, we can answer them in the future. And um, I think that's about all the time we have, right, Travis? We about wrapped it up? I think so. I okay, think so. Patty? Thank you so much for coming Anytime. on the show. I hope you had a good time. It Anything else you want to throw out there? No. No? Just come on in for Yeah, come see surgery. Patty. She's great. So I let Patty work yeah. on me, so I do trust her. She's, she's very, very good. But I do want to thank you for coming on as a guest co-host. Maybe we'll have you back. Well, I'd love that. Thank awesome. you so much. Travis, thank you, buddy. Not a problem at all. Great information and great show today, man. All right. Hey, tune in next week. I got some great topics for next week. You're not going to want to miss it. We'll have some teasers coming up in the next week for you guys to see. Thank you so much.